Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So we ended last episode with me groping for a question. And yes, you can take whatever joke you want from that. And uh, so the question I came up with was... If the NHL plays an 82-game season starting in December like they would like to, how do they accommodate for the AHL not being to play, being able to play if they can't have crowds, they can't have fans in the stands? Patrick, why don't you tackle this one first while I uh, drink some tea? Get your notes together. <laughs> Okay, Kermit the Frog, have your tea. Um, I think they expand. I, I think they they go back to the Players Association and they work out a way to expand the roster so that kind of like they did with the bubble, right? So you got 30 guys and 3 goaltenders. And throw the development stuff out the window? Uh, no. I think those that are eligible to those that are eligible still to play in major junior um, CHL mm-hmm. um, can do that or you'll start seeing what is kind of happening to some degree is they're loaning players to European leagues so I think we will see uh, a number of those sort of prime ticket type development candidates get loaned to European teams. Like they've loaned Akil Thomas and two other guys to uh, the German league from the Kings. Mm-hmm. And that's currently just so they can go work out. So they can get some ice time and, and do all of those things because they don't have the provisions and everything set for the offseason. But I and I think someone else got loaned to European League recently too, and I don't remember who it is off the top of my head. But neither here nor there. I think you'll start seeing that those guys that are on the cusp of making it that would have been those sort of potential call ups just blind, right? Because obviously they don't have a season to assess. Mm-hmm. But those guys there, you know, they're like the twenty one, twenty two year olds that were probably going to get some NHL time this year will be the ones on that expanded roster. Those guys that were like, yeah, you know, the 19, 20-year-olds that aren't really eligible to go back to play CHL or they've got European League experience, I think you'll see those guys get loaned and the guys that are CHL eligible are just going to go back to the CHL. Now, whether the CHL does anything, we don't know. So I agree with that. I think it also... Fast forwards what is already going on, which is teams owning their own AHL team. Because the teams that are going to suffer the most, if they don't, I mean, Pat was saying last episode, it's like, a, or maybe it was you, Patrick, that the AHL is like 90%, like their income is 90% ticket gate-driven. Um, and I think that those are primarily still the independent owners because uh, NHL owners would probably eat that cost and let make them play in empty arenas. Um, and so I think we're going to see that speed up. I mean, it's, it's already trending that way. The NHL teams are, are setting up their own AHL teams at their own cost and closer to the parent team. Um, in some cases in the exact same facility. So I think that's probably, they're probably going to be looking around after the season going, um, yeah, I guess we can't really have independent owners anymore. <laughs> All right, Pat, let so, it go. <laughs> you guys did most of the heavy lifting for me. So thank you. Um, one, I would just like to bring up that the German team that the Kings loaned, I think it's as many as five players, but it's it's highlighted by Akil Thomas um, being loaned to the German team owned by, oh, 
AEG, the parent company of the Los Angeles Kings. And I think it was around this time last year, there were rumors or scuttlebutt of uh, MLSE looking to buy a team somewhere in one of the three big European leagues, the, the Swedish league, the German league, or the Finnish league. I, I don't remember what it is. But the fact that these teams are buying other other organizations and other leagues like the AHL, the NHL should stop expanding its current set of teams after Seattle comes into the league, but rather they should work downwards. And I think they should kind of, I, th- I think it's time to just kind of absorb AHL. And, and right now, uh, as of next full season, well, two years from now, or two seasons from now, the math is only going to get worse, people, on this. What season is it? What, what year are we talking about? But 18 of 32 teams will be owned by... 18 of 32 teams in the AHL will be owned by their parent clubs. I think it's just time for the NHL to have a, uh, be a two league organization. And it's time to kind of merge, at least for this short year, merge all operations and operate completely out of the NHL building. Whether that means, uh, there are some double headers in some empty buildings where the NHL team plays first, followed by the AHL club. Uh, that way, teams can maximize, you know, travel budget, so they can charter or, or, or take forty plus players plus staff and whatnot on road trips. However, that ends up working, or to satisfy certain contracts or to make some of the rights holders happy. What if an 82 event calendar was a mix of 60% NHL games, 40% AHL games for each franchise? I just think they're going to have to get ridiculously creative. And I think they should just, keep all the resources in one location for this short and go. Cause even as we're seeing States like Florida foolishly, just, you know, rip up all the rules and say, all right, you can go back to normal. Uh, I don't think HL franchises are going to be able to open their buildings with enough time to produce a financially viable system. Well, and then the other problem with that, of course, is just development, right? So the 2004-2005 lockout season, the season that was lost, um, the NHL took a big pivot towards younger rosters because a lot of veterans retired quietly. They couldn't maintain their training for that year. And um, and it also, so it made all any the entire NHL younger and it made their, um, you know, everything cheaper because younger players usually don't ask for as much money. Um, and with few notable exceptions, of course. Um, so at this point, if the AHL doesn't function because they can't, because for whatever reason, like half the league, um, has to play in empty buildings and, and they just won't be able to or whatever, what happens to development of the players, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the junior players who may not have a junior team to go to um, because they may not be playing for months or at all this next season or the AHL guys, age guys, the guys you want to bring over from Europe to play in North America to get used to the North American game before they transition into the NHL. So if the AHL isn't able to operate, then the NHL loses development on at least half of their prospects for a year. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so at that point, does the NHL decide to go older because they'll have more veteran talent available and not enough developed players, you know, wait, hold, put all the, all the prospects on hold for a season and then bring them up to speed the next year. Or, you know, the, the issue is, do they just like you were saying, Pat and Patrick, you know, bring them into the NHL fold and try to manage it that way. Because yeah, I, I think one of the biggest hurdles the Players Association and, and the teams will have to come to is, as we've seen during the bubble playoff, is, you know, three games and four nights becoming ritual instead of, you know, a, a fluke every couple of weeks in the schedule. That's kind of an AHL schedule anyway. Well, and the AHL still, to this day, runs three and threes just based on travel logistics. And what's the best way to get good gate receipts but by playing on Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sunday afternoons? You know? So if teams, if the option is to expand the NHL rosters, and if they are running into compressed schedules, you're just going to want more bodies to play in more games in these three and four sets. Because I doubt the big league will. I, I don't see a way where three and three becomes even a possibility. Because one of the hugest factors is what is the NBA going to do? And how does that affect you know, clubs that share facilities with a, a basketball team or a college team or, you know, I think concerts and, and large scale um, entertainment performances won't be a big issue this spring. But I, I, I still think there will be enough sports events attempted where there's going to be a lot of scheduling logistics. And, oh, hey, isn't there a new TV contract coming up? And wouldn't it be nice for some of these sports properties with, oh, I don't know, digital arms that throw kind of crazy random things on their products? Like, oh, I don't know, some four-letter network from around the home of the Hartford Whalers. Um, Wouldn't it be nice if something like that picked up the AHL rights to, you know, showcase games to make it easier to watch as opposed to the, they're, they're starting to drop, but compared to the NHL package, the AHL package, uh, HL.TV is a bit more expensive proposition. The quality is not that great. Well, and that is Although a it's byproduct. gotten better, but yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a byproduct of some of the buildings that they're in. Given there are independent owners, what sort of broadcast equipment they have available to them. But if AHL and NHL operations were to merge for one season, HL teams operating out of the NHL buildings, they at least have cameras and decent you know, they don't have the full broadcasting equipment, but they have the in-house cameras that are used for their in-house feeds. It'd be more than a step up for half the AHL broadcasts that I've watched, at least. So long as they don't have a fisheye lens at the 200 level center ice covering a international women's, I think they'd probably be okay. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened. Of course not. I'm pretty sure that's the fourth reference I've heard to that this weekend. And not yeah. just from you. Yeah, well, okay, no. <laughs> it's um, on the brain. Oh, I forgot the hell's going to Oh, um, the reason I brought it up largely, though, was because Twitch and mm-hmm. the NWHL model, right? And I, I hate to say this, and it's not meant to be derogatory or demeaning, but that 
is not a gate driven league yet, right? They they pull you know, they pull some revenue in from the gate, but they also did a pretty good job of pulling revenue off the Twitch streams, from what I understand. Now, nobody knows what those numbers are because creative accounting Danny Ryland won't ever let anybody know what any numbers are. Um but that is a potential, you know, revenue point. And I, I think one major hurdle we're going to see in the transition between the next, let's say, two to three seasons is, frankly, the middle class in the NHL is going to be wiped out one way or another. And that might ultimately be a good thing, although the GMs will find a way to screw this up, given that they they can't pay a certain caliber of player who provides, you know, a certain stat line where it's, okay, here's your 20 to 40 points in your 16 to 20 minutes, depending upon the team that you play for. And here's your five by five contract. Those days are going to be gone. But wouldn't it be nice if there was a legitimate alternative in North America for them to play and make, you know, more than, even on the high end of what AHL veterans make, given some of those rules. I just feel like, go ahead, Cassie. The other thing that, that, um, when you were talking about Patrick, Pat, sorry, the, um, the, uh, having the NHL and the AHL, Combined, essentially, but just two different divisions, or not divisions, but um, two different levels, opens up that wonderful door to relegation that yes. the NHL would never really want to do, but yes. they, that's setting that up nicely for it. Yes. Because if, if the NHL owns all of it, if the NHL owns the AHL, all, all of its teams, all of its farm teams, and the NHL, then suddenly you have not 32 teams, you have 64 teams, right, owned by the same entity. You could, in theory, start moving people around and teams around in relegation. then we start seeing teams loaning players to other teams with, after they're relegated or selling. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, could you and imagine what kind of chaos that would be? Buffalo gets relegated and they and they sell, you know, they have a transfer window and they sell Jack Eichel. <laughs> and that's why it would never and, happen. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how these European football leagues attract any media attention doing craziness like this. I mean, there's no way any corporation would sponsor or, you know, throw money at wacky chaos like that. Well, the oh, NHL no. is a serious league, damn it, and they're going to do things seriously in the proper way and by tradition that they don't really have. Or so they'll tell you. God. I just, the utter chaos is just magnificent. It all comes down to, well. So there is the, you know, the executive committee on the board of governors, and it's, there's been some turnover on that in the, recent years and I'm one to believe that Gary Bettman is operating on his last contract and I think at that stage in time however a successor is picked and I don't necessarily think it's just going to be given to Bill Daly like he's not necessarily some heir apparent but that could open up the door for some of this well, I mean, the first step, of course, is is the fact that that the NHL is going to have a player development problem because 
the AHL is not going to be able to operate under the current conditions due to the pandemic, whether that is because some of the teams are in Canada and the border is still closed or they can't have people in the arena. That is the fundamental problem and they're going to have to find a way to solve it. And basically the only two solutions that are available are they either suspend development for a year, which puts all of their prospects back a year, or they absorb the AHL and just carry on like they have. Which do you think they're going to do? <laughs> it's probably going to be absorb the AHL since what you were saying, 18 teams are already owned by their parent team. So sets the stage for that all kinds of nicely. And given that the league just spent anywhere between 70 and 90 million on these bubbles, according to Elliot Friedman, uh, bubbles, 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 bubbles. I was more of a Buttercup fan, but, you know, she was good, too. <laughs> Bubbles. Took me a minute. I haven't watched that show in ages. I, I haven't Townsville, either, man. But... Townsville. <laughs> You're the mayor of Townsville. Oh, God, I missed that show. It's streaming <laughs> on HBO Max. You know what? I, uh, or Max or whatever. Max Now or HBO Max Now or Whatever it is. Or, yeah, whatever the hell it is now. Now, now. Um, I think I'm just going to leave the podcast and start watching it. Um, that, <laughs> that, and Dexter's, that and Dexter's Laboratory. Always my two anyway, um, how interesting is it? Scott Housen is now the what is it, president, CEO of? President, yeah. It's just president of the AHL? The only problem is, is that not the only problem. There are many, many problems. Most of them solvable. Some of them you don't care about. Um, it's that independent band again, right? And I don't think you will see. I don't think you will ever see any movement from a lot of those teams to pick up, you know, pack up the tents and move to their parent city. Um. Because San Jose had some of those double headers, and the facility couldn't deal with it. The ice is just—it's bad. It's bad in San Jose to start, but it was extremely bad when two games were played in the same day. So, you know, I don't know as if anybody would really be completely down with that. Although we've seen the ice in Edmonton and Toronto be just fine, but then again, there's nobody in the building and they could keep it frigid all day and even in the middle of summer with the dehumidifiers and stuff. I I was just thinking of those little towns, you know, almost like Slapshotian where pretty much everything centers around that facility and if one of its major tenants goes away, like the Lake Erie Monsters or Hershey, you know, those types of things. A lot of people attend those games because that's the only thing within driving distance. But here's the thing is that there will always be hockey played in those facilities. Yeah, but it just you, won't be AHL hockey. But, that's all. Yeah, but you're, you know, in the, in, specifically in the case of Hershey, I mean, not the, the hypothetically, this all happens, but you're ripping out a franchise that's been there for ages, right? I know a lot of these, a lot of other AHL teams are sort of vagabonds. I'm looking at you, Colorado Eagles, San, San Antonio Spurs, whatever you were before then, Rampage, or, Rampage. or Iowa or Minnesota or, you know, but some of them have been there for ages. You know, I, I, I might have a good alternative solution for them that might be a little more cost effective too. Roller hockey? Uh, you know what? That might even be more cost-effective than what I was thinking. Oh, dear God, yeah. There, there. Hey, 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 hang on, Pat. Really quick. Go. The NBA has its summer development league, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. There we go. I was NHL just going to say. Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes too much sense that it will never happen. And 
Another thing that makes way too much sense is there are these two little entities known as the NWHL and the PW, blah, 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 because I always mix up at least two of the letters. Um, Why couldn't the independent AHL owners start buying into some of these teams and bringing them to their buildings, especially as AHL franchises have been moved? Like, I'm I'm just trying to think of a, a, a now defunct AHL town, but I guess San Antonio, not the best example, but if their league were to spin up at some point and there'd be room for teams, why wouldn't they buy into a WNHL franchise? Well, how about Worcester? Right? Worcester Sharks, they move. Right? Okay, th- there was a better... I, I was trying to think of a Northeast name, and I, it was just Springfield Falcons. Manchester. Falcon. Don't forget about Manchester. Oh, yeah, that's right. Manchester moved to Ontario, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm. looks like Utica is on its way out. Really? Potentially, uh, yeah. I, guess it- I mean, it's well, you know, Utica. So. <laughs> I I yeah, it's Utica. <sighs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. But well, here's the thing too: is that is that it would have to be because the. NWHL is currently owned all by one entity, the NWHL, all the teams, right? No, all but yeah. all but the Minnesota Whitecaps and the Toronto franchise that's starting up the six. They were right. also be independently owned. So, um, because a problem with with the AHL owners taking in those franchises is that they don't necessarily have the money to do it all on their own. That's part of the reason why they're doing a, an agreement with an NHL team because the NHL is is footing part of the part of the cost. So if there was a NWHL team moving to say Wista, and there was one actually CWHL team that was there, um, then somebody would have to go in with whoever owns the arena in order to make it profitable for the new owner or part owner as the case may be. I know I'm such a killjoy, but I didn't give you roller hockey. (laughs) I think roller hockey is the answer. I think it really is. So just to bring back the rock and rollers, right? Yeah. Bring them all back. I mean, I know we talked about it before as being like an experimental league for rules and crap, but it did actually be a fairly good developmental league, too. Yes, I know the mechanics are different between ice and inline hockey as far as skating and crap, but give me a break. You're going to teach these guys how to hit, how to check, where to be positionally, you know, how to read plays, all that kind of yada, yada, yada crap. Well, there you go. That doesn't change. And I hate to give a company a free plug, but if they wanted to send me a set of wheels, I'd, I'd graciously accept. But let, <laughs> let's, let's put companies like Mars Blades to the test. You know, uh, a form of rollerblade that's engineered to mimic physical training qualities. It's not going to duplicate the on-ice feel, but weight shifts and, and turning is supposedly supposed to be similar, and they're big in the roller hockey scene, so, you know, all these venture capitalist people that are entering the league, how about you invest in that product and double dip? Yeah, because you reduce yeah. the you reduce the overhead of what it takes to put on a show, so to speak. You don't exactly. have to have an ice arena. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the dehumidifiers. You don't have to have the ice making equipment. You don't have to have the 
resurfacing machines. Trademark Zamboni. Right. Um, and who, who's to say you couldn't get a uh, Pavel Barber all-star group and do like a floorball game too, you know? Just let's see some ridiculously skilled people do some ridiculously skilled things for a three-week period during the summer. Well, I mean, you know, you could do a, a Harlem Globetrotters kind of roller hockey thing, get some newly retired NHLers to do some, like, really fun stuff wandering around the country. Okay, I'm all I out mean, of ideas. That's it for you guys. You, you don't get no, any more freebies. <laughs> work. I mean, the only other option is getting traded to Detroit when your career's pretty much over. So, Which yeah. Iserman is trying to change. Killjoy. Talk about, talk about Killjoy. Had to bring up Mark Stahl, didn't you? <laughs> I had to bring not mention any name, but had to bring now that you're talking about it, <laughs> I loved the future considerations for Mark Stahl in a second round draft pick, and everybody's postulating what future considerations are. And I said, basically, look who look who Detroit's owned by. They're going to award Times Square a Little Caesars franchise. That's the future considerations. Hmm. Right, they'll 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 award MSG a Little Caesars franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, future considerations is going to be money, salary cap space. One dollar. Uh, One dollar for the ter- for the purposes of a uh, league approved transaction. I don't know if they'd let that go. <clears throat> but you've seen some pretty wonky things done to satisfy the future considerations in trades before. Uh, Even a- post-lockout. AHL transactions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just something that on paper that says we we have made another deal in which to satisfy this this was, this was the agreed upon condition for future considerations. And given all the work the NHL's compliance people will have to do in the next three to four weeks just to keep track of things, I could see them easily losing sight of this one. To where someone in the Detroit media asks, Steve Eiserman one day, what happened to this future considerations? And he just says, I took care of it. Just like Stahl's no trade clause was not an issue here. And we never hear about it again. It's like magic. No, it's Steve Eiserman, and you just hear the Godfather theme playing softly underneath him as he's on the phone with other GMs. You know, you come to me in this time of need, and yet you don't come as a friend. You know, that kind of thing. The one person that ne- can never make Gary Bettman angry because he's too afraid? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you've seen, seen- even as a GM, you've seen that man just glare at, at a screen, right? And you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a few thousand miles away, and I'm terrified for me because I know it doesn't exist, but he probably could rip through the screen and rip my head off. <laughs> you know, Rob Brindamore, Rod Brindamore intimidates you physically, but you know, he doesn't intimidate you sort of non-verbally. He's just a he's just a mountain of a human being. Eiserman just he, sort of sits yeah. there and, and there's this weight and gravity to him and you're just I'm just I'm getting scared just even picturing it, honestly. I think he had to start wearing glasses out of necessity so people would talk to him, don't you think? We need to soften your image. Here's some glasses. Okay. No, that just makes you look like you're gonna shoot lasers now at me. I wasn't going to go for the Cyclops reference, but it was sitting right there. Better than reading. See, he doesn't. 
scare me at all. <laughs> Not even remotely. That's good. And I've, seen that, oh, <laughs> and I've seen that look fairly close when I was in, in Norfolk, you know, reporting or sitting in the press box and uh, for the, the Tampa Bay Lightning farm team. Speaking of a town that needs a team. Tampa? North. Uh, yeah, Tampa might get a team back in a couple days. I think I can. Uh, I think I would bet money on that. Not if Scory Perry and Joe Pavelski have anything to say about it. Well, I mean, I was just referring to the fact that they're done after Wednesday, one way or another. So, regardless, yes, this is true. You want to talk about a deal with the devil, right? You put. One of the most despised players in Anaheim Duck history on the same team with one of the most beloved San Jose Sharks in entire Shark history. And, you know, Captain America versus Captain, you know, Raccoon Trash Can Canada. And who's, who's, who's dragging them, kicking and screaming to game six? Tyler Sagan's three point performance? But I'm <clears throat> Sorry, I had to. But no, I'm not uh, saying anything. I'm not saying anything because I have opinions, and I feel in all these playoffs, if I voiced the opinions, the entire opposite has gone on. So I'm just keeping my mouth shut. Well, I mean, there is one thing that you could say, Cassie. Hmm. If. If that's true, and I kind of did a little bit of this last night trying to work the reverse jinx on the internet, because yeah. once I write it, the opposite will happen. Mm. John Cooper is going to single-handedly win this series because he's doing—he's making so many right calls and influencing everything. Am I right? Why? Why are you trying to make me say things? It'll be bad. It'll turn ugly. I can't. Okay, I'll say it. The coaches have done jack and all to influence this series. <laughs> they have no bearing on anything that will happen, line combinations or otherwise. I'm not going to say a thing here because I've just been finding the whole thing entirely too humorous. Honestly. <laughs> You know, Steve Stamkos comes back, scores a goal. My work here hurts himself while celebrating. And no, well, he no. Was, they, no. they only put him in the game so he could get his name on the Stanley Cup. That was basically a joke. That's one hundred percent what they did. No, yeah, they didn't even and I that. knew it when they had, yeah. and I knew it when they put him in there, and they're like, "Oh, he's not playing much," and I'm like, "That's because he's just in there to get his name on the Stanley Cup if they win it. That's all." No, he doesn't need to be in the game. No, I'm sure that they. they they gave him the opportunity because, you know, out of respect or whatever they See, like to say. It. He, he would have gotten, he, he checks all the boxes to get his name on the cup. Without having played a game in the final. No, I know, and I agree and with that. Without having to get special approval from the league. Like, right. there's no way, should Tampa close the series out, that he wasn't going to be presented the cup and yada, yada, yada. He played the requisite 40 games in the regular season. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a check the box for the NHL. It was a you're our captain, you should at least play one game out of respect sort of thing. Well, he just looked like a shaggy puppy in the room during all the workouts, and they were <laughs> a high after game two. Let's be honest. That's what it was. Mm. He was there for the bump. Maybe. No, I think he or was there, there for the, the or there for the uh, if this doesn't go well, this is a game we can lose. Well, that's <laughs> That's why I'm saying he was there for the bump, right? You're at a 2-1 lead. If the team gets, you know, team gets fired up, you're up 3-1, then you're fine. If the team gets fired up and plays like crap, then it's 2-2 and whatever. No, he was mm-hmm. there for the bump. Oh my God, that's Stamkos' music. You know, that kind of thing. 
or, or um, God, I want to say Walter Reed. <laughs> no, you know, re- returning Willis Reed. There it is. Mm-hmm. I just Walter uh, Reed is a veteran. I, I know. Yeah, that's, I, why I, <laughs> that's why I always want to say Walter Reed because he was injured and then just you know magically made his way back and Walter Willis Reed. Um, <clears throat> he did his job, right? He one game, one goal. My work here is done. I'm done for you know. I've had it. Peace out, guys. I'll come pick the cup up with you in a couple of days. He gave the writers their fun story line on either side. Joe right. Pukowski or Steven Stamkos. And and he has set himself up for a Masterton run. Oh, yes. Yes, he has. As long as he's and not... And then he'll get traded. <laughs> Only if he loses his passion for See? hockey. See, I like how we all came up with a different response to the Masterson reference. <laughs> oh yeah, well I died. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with a uh, couple people I was reading on Twitter that sort of like I really wanted to go seven, but I'm also afraid of what happens Thursday. Because we've had this sort of two and a half, three month little chaotic upturn in our lives, and some hockey was hockeying, but now what do we do? I was thinking last night should if the series was wrapped up, how quickly would have say Corey Perry's negotiating rights been traded? Two hours, three hours? Or how fast will someone from the victor be dealt just because the cap for both teams is going to be hellish? I don't know. It's going to be weird. It, it is going to be weird. I <clears throat> And you throw somebody like Bobby Ryan into the whole mix. Right? Because now you got a guy who's uh, who's a UFA who's getting basically the bulk of the remainder of his contract and probably wants to play and sort of I won't atoned is the wrong word but but sort of and redeemed is the wrong word considering what he's been through he personally. He feels the need but, to prove himself. Well he but he did sort of prove himself when he came back right? It's sort of what I'm right. saying. Is it, it's I think he wants to play and showed him showed that there's still game left in him. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and if he yeah. were to actually be on an NHL roster instead of whatever you want to call Ottawa the past two seasons, a development team. I mean, the narrative is there that look at Shattenkirk, look at Corey Perry to a lesser extent, Perry, but he's, he's looked good. For the past week. Yeah. Um, Shattenkirk, McDonough, you know. There's nothing wrong with the player, just no one likes his contract. Yeah. You know, he's not a $9 million guy or a $7 million guy. He's, at this point in his career, he's a two and a half. Yeah. You know, and and he'd be totally fine with it because... He wouldn't be in Ottawa? Well, (laughs) that was... One, he wouldn't be in Ottawa. Two, um, he'd you know he'd have the remainder of his contract that nobody liked in his pocket, which is you know I, I this whole argument with um, Pietrangelo about the bonuses and making a contract buyout proof. I'm like, why would you make it buyout proof? Stop and think about that for a minute. Why Go talk to it- Vinny. Yeah, go talk to Vinny right. about that. Go talk that. to Vinny <laughs> about making it buyout proof. What the hell are you doing? Double your money. Double your fun. If they want to buy you out, let them. Turn around exactly. and sign another contract for three and a half mil somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You're making $10 million a year now. Isn't that what you wanted? <laughs> By two teams. Right. You, got, you screwed two teams over. <laughs> 
see, that's the thing is that, you know, a lot of a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, buy I feel bad for the guy who's bought out. And I'm like, I don't. He's screwing over his team because they're still having to pay his contract. So he's I mean, probably getting the last laugh out of that one. <laughs> and I'll just say this. Is there escrow in a buyout? Right. And does that mean you can't play hockey if you're bought out? No. Thank you. Of course you. you can. So if he gets if if he ends up getting bought out at thirty four, right? What do you do? Take the buyout and run. Sign a sign a million or two million dollar deal to be someone's, you know, four or five, and go continue playing. You've got. I, I hate saying it like you know you're one and done, but you've got a couple already. You don't have to worry about chasing. If you want to go win another one, you find a team that's looking for. Uh, a good Branson. And Eric, Eric Goodbranson. Prime example, right? Guy that yeah. nobody wanted. What's he doing now? <laughs> he's desi- He's a desired NHL player again. It's right. like when you get someone out of a bad situation or circumstance, playing-wise only, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on any of personal matters, but when you get away from coaches that just don't work with you, where you're oil and water and things don't work and you get put around some other talent, a la Kevin Shattenkirk. It's a miracle. What can happen? Right. He looks like a top four defender, like a three, four, but he can earn a decent payday and not look like just dead weight. He's in the role he needs to be in for what his level or for what his abilities are. And he has an opportunity to succeed because he doesn't have to do it either by himself or he is not the go-to person anymore. Right. Like we were sort of talking about recent, previously. I don't remember when because time is a blur and space is a curve. Um, the Eric, the the Brent Burns, Eric Carlson whisperer, right? The He'd been he'd have been a perfect guy to to sort of pair with one of those two because they can run around and do whatever they want. You know, good Branson's not going very far. You know, somebody's always there on the hinge who's got your back, and you know, sort of to to play defensive captain, so to speak, and sort of guide everyone else around the ice while those two freaks are you know like ah. Well, one of the nice things about hopefully Ryan gets a nice contract from a new team out of this, but one of the kind of funnier things to happen from the buyout was uh, the three year late three years later um, Photoshop team picture from the Ottawa Senators that went to the Eastern oh. Conference Final was finally completed. Every oh. player is now either a free agent or has moved on to another club. And isn't there like three prospects or something during at that for that year that are still with the team, but that's it? But they weren't in the team photo. Right. They weren't yeah. with Ottawa, but they were yeah, They're, they were in they, the organization. Yeah. yeah, they have really cleaned house, which I think really speaks well of Pierre Dorian, but you know, history will be the ultimate judge. But it was just one of those things that made me for the tire fire that is the internet. It was just one of those fun things that made me smile. It may suck for the individual players in, in the moments of leaving, but I ultimately think that most of them will go on to better things. But it just made me happy that there was something positive and fun from uh, hockey Twitter, which I don't know. I think it leads me to to a question here. If we want to wrap this, oh sure, pull the shoot. Why not? So I've got uh, buff but, girls to watch. <laughs> the fact that you told me they're on that streaming service with the confusing name that'll probably change in two months uh, makes me happy because I have something to do this evening. Um. I think it was shortly before our last episode, there was kind of a back and forth between a few people on Twitter and myself uh, about um, Allison Lucan, who 
One, she's out. just fan- <laughs> she's just fantastic, and two, uh, that, uh, the best. Um, and three, kicks ass. Thank you. Uh, we were reminiscing somehow about her play-by-play call of the uh, Too Many Men uh, Flip Cup tournament that they had in uh, 1987 or May, whichever one was more recent. I can't tell. Or yesterday. (laughs) I mean, all three are potential. 2054, you know. Yeah, it's just wibbly-wimey, timey-wimey stuff. Anywho, um... Anyway, between, I think it was myself, uh, Shayna Goldman, uh, Megan Shika, just kind of pumping Allison's tires and talking about how awesome it would be to hear her call play-by-play for a game one day. And someone looped in uh, one of the producers from uh, NBC Sports, the female producer who helped put together their all-female broadcast at one point. And then there was talk of you know how great it would be to see Allison work with AJ Malesko. Well, who happens to join in the conversation but AJ Malesko and agreeing? And also, I think they're definitely going to do another flip cup tournament for the betterment of humanity. Both, you know, for something fun to watch, but raise some money for a deserving cause. But it just got me thinking. Oh, oh, did I mention people like? And I'm not a fan of his, but he has some pull in this industry. John Buchagross is favoriting and retweeting. Elliot Friedman is doing the same because they know Allison kicks ass. How are you not a fan of Elliot? No, I'm sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I, I, I have a few small beefs with him this, this, uh, this summer, but, you know, we can work those out. I know he's listening, or at least his uh, uh, podcast partner does. His people. Because they people steal all listen. our ideas. Yeah, but they will not call our people. Anyway, Allison Lucan potentially doing a play-by-play on an NBC broadcast, even if it was just a preseason, it would just kick ass. It'd be awesome to see, just like we see, you know, people from the analytics community or individuals that we've just conversed with on Twitter, they get hired to do jobs with clubs. So here's my question. Who would be an awesome person that does good work, just like Allison, that we'd love to see work on a broadcast next season? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.